to the Order in Progress podcast, where we explore topics related to personal growth, health, wellness, and combat sports. I'm your host, Will Safford, and in today's episode, we're joined by GOTA Head of Education and co-owner Ricky Stanzi. GOTA, aka Greatest of All Time Actions, is a comprehensive training, rehabilitation, and sports performance system based on the analysis of human movement. It was founded in 2012 to maximize health and physical performance and go to recode your movement patterns to follow nature's blueprint so you can eliminate pain and achieve peak performance at the same time. Coach Ricky Stanzi is a former NFL quarterback and now co-founder of the GOTA movement system. In this episode, we dive into the principles of GOTA, the benefits for all humans, but especially fighters and grapplers, as well as how to get started with GOTA to reduce pain and improve your performance immediately. As always, you can find us at seekprogress.com and please like and review us so we can spread this amazing info to more people around the world. With that, let's dive into the world of GOTA with Coach Ricky Stanzi. All right, we're back today with Coach Ricky Stanzi, the program director, co-owner, uh, head of education at Goda Locomotive Systems. Coach, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. We'll appreciate it. So, um, if we could, let's. Uh, I know. I know the Goda system has a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different aspects to it, but it's uh, relatively, I'd say newer movement system that's really started to gain traction in the last couple of years and something that I personally have dove into and I've felt a lot of benefit from it just in using it for a few months. So tell us, what is what is GOTA? What's it all about? Mm-hmm. So GOTA stands for greatest of all time actions. And the system itself is centered around the observation of the world's most durable humans. So the founder of the system, the first person to observe these greatest of all time actions, as we've called them, these behaviors, uh, these movement behaviors was Jose Bosch. And his whole question that he posed was, well, how does a body travel through space for a lifetime and never get hurt for no apparent reason? So he was someone who had wrecked three levels of his lower back. He went searching for answers. Um, He wasn't finding the answers he wanted. Being a guy who was a... um, in the golf world and interested in golf and golf was really one of the first places where slow motion frame by frame evidence was used as sort of the judge and the juror for how we're going to, you know, teach and all that. He decided to take that concept and just place it over biomechanics. So he started looking at the world's, as he would say, most durable humans, right? How does a body travel through space for a lifetime and never get hurt for no apparent reason? Well, let's start with the people that don't seem to be falling apart. So he picked four tribes to look at, as he would say, and um, the crawling baby, the toddler development was, was one of those tribes. The decade plus super freak athletes, some of our favorites that we point to is like a Michael Jordan and Ed Reed or Randy Moss, the athlete that's able to push the envelope, get close to that decade plus mark um, and be, you know, rather injury free compared to their counterparts. And then the other two groups that he looked at was the hunter gatherers, the indigenous cultures, those that are still living uh, butt naked, barefoot, deep in the Amazon. He wanted to get a look at how their movement was taking place because we look at them as some of the world's most durable humans. And I think today uh, you you see it happening even with the diet world where more people are looking to study the natural way, if you would say. And so he saw the, the indigenous tribes like a Karubo or like a Yanomame, he saw them as a natural way that movement will be taking place. And then the last group he looked at was your 70 plus age groupers at the track and field world championships. These are people that are 
obviously pushing that, you know, 100-year mark. Some of them going to that 100-year mark, Ida Keeling, Hurricane Hawkins, or some of the famous names. Um, but he wanted to see over the lifespan from child to elderly, uh, the world's most durable. We put, them on, we put them all into a box, and we study their movement frame by frame with video evidence like we do at golf. What would we see? And that's where GOTA, the greatest of all time actions, comes from, because it's a study of the world's most durable humans. And you're trying to see, well, what is keeping them from falling apart? What are they doing? What are the common denominators of their movement behavior that we could all learn from and then we could then emulate? And then we start to, to see a pattern play out. When we're looking at those types of durable movers, and that's where the greatest of all time actions, which what is observed or what is assessed against what is looked to be corrected in the GOTA system are these things we call the global laws, which you take those, those, the, the, that group of people that we studied, you start to see the common denominators, those common denominators that were falling through. We call them the global laws of movement. So we figure if we stick to these global laws, if we assess to see where you're at currently, and then try to rehabilitate you back to where you look closer to this model, we have found that the pain starts to dissipate, um, the control, the rhythm, uh, the endurance, the strength, the speed, all those things that we would, would be looking for in a strength and conditioning or even a corrective program, they're there, but we go through that sort of process by first taking care of the durability of the body and making sure that we're mm. scanning for and correcting for durability and then from there, we start to level up and you get strength and you get speed. So the go-to movement system, kind of a long-winded answer, but it has a lot of background to it. It has a story to it. It has a study to it, essentially. And mm -hmm. like we always say, go-to and woda. So to give you the opposite side of that, when those patterns go sideways and when they aren't stacked up like they should, we call it the worst of all time actions. So it's really a binary movement system that's saying, hey, this is good. This is bad. This is what happens when you fall apart. This is what happens, um, you know, when you move like a go to you stay together. And so we just assess and we correct and we move people through a program that tries to get, take them from WODA to GOTA. It's such a smart idea to, to do that, to go look. And <clears throat> because a lot of times if you're invested in a particular sport, you're going to go study the best people in that sport. But what you guys have done is said we're all human beings we all should be moving in a similar way but there is a select few of us who move way better than the rest are injured far less and are the goats have reached that highest level of uh, athletic performance or whatever it might be longevity um so it's it's just a it's just a beautiful idea in itself like look at the best performing humans can we talk about what some of, I know it's a very comprehensive system, but mm -hmm. what are some of those things that you have noticed within those people that have set them apart? Yeah. So I think the, the first part of it is acknowledging that there is a design, right? So acknowledging that it's designed a certain way to function a certain way. What we're saying at Goda is that the body is built for a very simple skill um, that is really layered inside of a cycle. So if you look at each system of the body, take the musculoskeletal system and kind of stack it up with other systems of the body and frame it from the same standpoint that we would look at the cardiovascular system, the pulmonary system, the, the uh, digestive system, those are integrated systems that are all moving something through a cycle. 
So we don't want to lose focus of that when we look at the musculoskeletal. So we are looking at this cycle and we're trying to find that cycle. Like what is the cycle of the musculoskeletal system and what is it moving? And we would say that that cycle is our forward gear. So we're all mm. centered, designed around moving forward through space to affect change on the environment. This encapsulates walk, run, throw, swing, strike, cut, juke, jump, all those things of explosive dynamic forward movement that you really see showcased um, in a hunter gatherer, where mm. when you're out in the bush, when you're out in the wild, when you don't, whenever we take everything from you, your what's your skill set as yeah. in the animal kingdom? Well, you're the you know you got the the, the expert marksman skill, right? We have the ability to run for long distances and take down animals. So we're an endurance athlete. People have been studying this and kind of tipping the cap to this endurance athlete that can overhand throw, underhand swing, um, built for forward movement. So that's the design. It's designed to work that specific way. Inside of that design, there's a function. So there's a cycle that's playing out. We take steps. We move through space. We're here and then we're there. When we're here, we're loading up energy, force, pressure. We're loading up something that we're then going to transfer that'll now have us over here. And then we just keep repeating that process of loading, transferring, releasing, and resetting. And we take these two sides of the body and we track ourselves through space, through this basic cycle of loading pressure, transferring pressure, releasing, and resetting the side of the body to do it all over again. So inside of that loading and that transferring, there's some of these global laws. There's a there's a bow that we would say, and then a mm. corner. So there's this loading of pressure and this transferring of pressure. Now, as this pressure goes into our musculoskeletal system, we want to organize it a certain way. There's certain things that we want to see take place as this pressure is loading up and as it's transferring. And that's where the global laws come into play. So we talk about first setting up that concept of design and function. And the design is a column alignment. So you have these two sides of the body, right? You have the left side, you have the right side. And throughout that system from top to bottom, you really have a ball and socket type design, meaning your limbs have this ability to spiral, right? We can mm -hmm. picture the ball and socket of the shoulder and the hip. Well, it's a very similar design at the forearm and the shin. And the torso is a facet joint design, which has this ability to encapsulate a multi-planar um, you know, type of movement, like all good movement uh, is, it's all multi-planar, three-dimensional. So you're moving sagittal, you're moving frontal, and you're moving transverse. So the ball and socket and the facet joints of the limbs and the torso allow for this interplay. And they're stacked together in these two columns. And then at the base of these columns are these foundations that are the foot compartments. So mm -hmm. the first global law of Gota is addressing those columns, how they look on top of a, uh, a foot foundation, which is the second global law of Gota, which we would call foot control. Mm -hmm. So they have these organized columns sitting on top of uh, an organized foot compartment. We use the analogy of a joystick. So if you can picture a joystick design, there's something that has tons of freedom, right? But it gets this ability to create and have freedom off of the platform that is rigid, that is stable, that is below it, that it is actually plugged into. So your two columns, the two sides of your body, they've got a platform at the bottom that becomes stable, that becomes rigid, that is plugged into, which then allows a base for your column, shin bone to wrist to 
forearm bone to create this multiplanar move because it has a stable foundation. It can create a joystick type of movement above. That joystick type of movement is needed when the pressure hits. So when the pressure hits, the column, the ball and sockets, the side of the body is going to react in a three-dimensional way. It's going to react multiplanar. It's going to have turns in movements on all three planes, meaning it'll move on the sagittal, it'll move on the frontal, it'll move on the transverse. If you take a multiplanar mapping like that and you were to combine all three movements simultaneously, it would look from a macro view like something going down a spiral staircase. Mm-hmm. So it would have a little toroidal type of action to it where you can picture this curvature down, back, and out as you load. So that's why we talk about the thigh bone and the shin bone opening outward as we load pressure because there is a multiplanar movement off of that stable foot platform. So the foot just holds straight. It holds inner ankle bone high, as we would say. So we have columns, we have foot control, it's inner ankle bone high. Picture a half dome arch structure at the base of your system. It's not going to collapse. It's going to lift. It's going to elevate. It's going to create a platform for things to work off of. So you have that platform steady. It's straight. It's stable. The shin, the thigh, the lower limb, the torso, and the upper limb, they'll do this multi-planar turn. And it's just as simple as I could put it. It spirals outward. And as it spirals outward, it spirals back inward. So it loads by spiraling outward, it transfers by spiraling inward. So picture every single step that you take now as loading pressure into one side and then transferring it over to the other. Well, when you put that foot on the ground, picture your joystick, it'll create a stable platform, the foot won't move. And then as the foot is stable and loading up pressure into the column, the side of the body, the side of the body will you know, react to and behave like a joystick as that pressure builds, meaning your shin, your thigh, your torso, your upper limb will all spiral down, back, and out to load it up. And then they'll retrace up, around, and in, and they'll transfer, and then they'll release and reset over the top. So those are the things that we're attacking at GOTA. Those are the global laws that really came from the study of those world's most durable people. And we looked at it, and we said, these are the greatest of all time actions, the greatest of all time have well-organized columns sitting on top of a straight foot that's inner ankle bone high. And as they load pressure into the system, it reacts in a spiral outward that we've called a bow. As they transfer pressure in the system, it travels back up forward and in, and then it releases resets. And we also notice that when they're doing this, their head is in the column. So their head goes into the side that they're loading and they have a very specific tail to crown relationship Picture it as, you know, for the jujitsu guys listening, when you go to shoot somebody's legs, when you go to attack and you go to dive and spear forward, you have a very tailback, crown forward relationship, athletic position. We notice this characteristic to be inherent to really all good, explosive, forward moving um, derivatives like the walk, run, throw, swing, strike, depending on how loud or explosive the movement gets, it still has a little bit of that tailback crown forward. So those are things that we saw in the world's most durable. Those are things that we train for and assess for inside of our system. And they boil down to some pretty basic concepts. We want level, even columns before we move. We want a stable foot platform. And then we want to feed and integrate this decompressed spiral as we load pressure. So a lot of squat derivatives to load up the body. And then a lot of sort of hinging or 
releasing or creating length type of derivatives to enhance hip mobility, ankle mobility, lower back space, and be able to get rid of the pressure that's in your system in a very efficient way so you don't have a groin pull, a hammy pull. Whenever you go to move something mm. and you feel that pop, that's because you weren't able to transfer. Whenever you go to load something and you feel that pop, it's because you weren't able to organize and handle pressure. So we want those two moments to be really strong for our athletes. Super interesting, man. Super interesting stuff. And it sounds like you guys have figured out a way. I don't want to equate robots to the equation, but it almost to me, it sounds like you look at the body as this system, this structure where it's most efficient in this certain if as it moves in these columns, mm -hmm. as you say, in bow and column, and that will allow energy transfer, force production, force development, all that stuff to basically be optimized in the system and then also prevent that stuff from injuring the system, those same forces mm -hmm. from injuring the system. Do I kind of have that right? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at like we always point to like the Achilles tendon for instance, right? And we talk about how it's designed from a, a sewing type of uh, vantage point. Like just look at how it's sewn and how it's inserted into the calcaneus would be the heel. So it's on a spiral inward so that when you spiral it outward, it has integrity. So what we're trying to get people to see is that if, it's, if something's designed a very specific way, when you move it along that route that it's designed for, well, it's going to reward you, right? Or that's right. how it would be, you know, that's how it would play out at its most efficient. Right. So if right. you're the most efficient, you is the strongest, you is the most uh, powerful, the fastest version of you, the quickest version of you. So we just kind of go at it from the, like I said, durability and efficiency. Like when things are working as they should, what would it do? That's the best version of me. And then from there, layering in even more strength mm. and even more speed and even more endurance into a pattern that has shown me, has proven to me to be reliable in the long run, that's what we would go ahead and then do in our system. We would just make sure that you introduced or reintroduced these concepts from a certain point and you kind of check, you know, go through a checklist, if you will, of ways to reintegrate this movement back into your system. But that's really the goal is to enhance durability and efficiency. And when we do those things, we optimize strength and speed. Whereas a lot of what's out there right now, as we look at it through the lens of Gota, we look at, yeah, it's strong and yeah, it's fast, but it's not in a pattern that will allow you to be strong and allow you to be fast for a very long time. Mm. Whereas if you go at it from a, what, a, what a, is there for a very long time? What's reliable from a pattern perspective, from a foot behavior perspective, you can go down to the granular in the micro with each area and say, well, what would be good for the shin? What would be good for the foot? Well, we want to nail that down first and then we can layer speed. We can layer strength. We can layer all those things. That's easy. Everybody's figured that part out. People are getting faster left and right. We've had, you know, increased verticals and drop down 40s, just like everybody else has. But we're, where we want to tip our cap and we're, where we want to focus for the athlete is, hey, those one rep max concepts are great, but they rarely ever truly reflect the actual nature of life or sport. Life and sport are much more 
directed towards a marathon, towards mm. your best ability is availability and your best ability to cultivate skill and to level yourself up in any way is to be there, is to be present for that opportunity. And if you're hurt, you can't be present. So we've just logic, you know, we just worked it back from if our guys just don't get hurt, they get the most opportunity, not only from a musculoskeletal standpoint to figure out themselves and their skills as best as they can, but they have a chance to actually be there to be in the competition, to be in the sport. And all of that training has to be there as well to get to their next level. So we aim for durability and you find those other things along the way. Got it. Um, so there is a progression to this, it sounds like. And the first step is putting the the right pressure, the right tension on the right areas, building that mm-hmm. that that good foundational movement pattern so that you can start layering on layering on the speed and the strength. Um mm-hmm. You have a new product coming out on Strong and Fit soon. That's basically an intro to your system. I personally have taken the Recode, and that's that's basically how you start getting into the GoTo system. Can you explain a little bit what the Recode is and some of the movements that, like, types of movements that you would see in that type of system? Yeah. Um, so we, we're working it back from the the ultimate expression, like we've been saying, the ultimate expression of this system or what we would say it's designed for at its most explosive, most dynamic is that, that single leg movement, walk, run, throw, swing, mm-hmm. you know, cut, juke, jump. You're loading one side of your body and then you're transferring it. I could load a light amount of pressure. I could load a big amount of pressure. But the point is I'm putting only one foot in the ground. So I've got one side of my body that's going to load up and that's going to transfer. So that's going to be the most challenging as a single leg. Common sense wise, that makes sense. That's going to be the most challenging on your balance, on your strength, on your coordination, all those things. So what we're going to do is we're going to work backwards and we're going to start at all fours. So we, we call it pivot points. This is just the point that's in the ground that you're able to move the energy around. So picture a hurricane or a tornado. There's a point and the energy courses around that. Okay. So we have pivot We have pivot points, if you will, as human beings. Ultimately, it's the foot that becomes the one pivot point that hits the ground, that stays anchored and centered, that creates a center line for everything to spiral around. But if you regress that to the crawling baby, well, now you got six pivot points. So you got your two hands, you got your kneecaps, and then you got the top of the foot. So you take the foot, you flip it upside down, it can be a pivot point. So when we're learning, or should I say when we're relearning how to organize that pressure, that's eventually going to be just in one column at full speed sprinting. Let's regress it to six pivot points. Now we can disperse the pressure evenly among six pivot points. It's much easier to replicate those global laws. It's much easier to organize the column. It's much easier to know where your head is in space, to know how your foot is organizing, because you're not just hanging on one leg and trying to do it all at once. You're going to go from an all fours position. Then we'll eventually remove your hands, and you'll be in four pivot points. Now you've just got your kneecaps and the tops of your feet. If you're following along, you can imagine that all fours to just kneeling is going to be a little more challenging. Then we'll go ahead and we'll push back to just two feet, a little more challenging. We'll use two feet with the wall, two feet without the wall. Then we'll go one foot with the wall or one foot with support, one foot without support. So we're using pivot points and we're using support to reorganize the, or, or change the way, my, the way, way my brain, the software and the hardware, the design, the actual musculoskeletal system suit how they interact and how they behave 
as that pressure gets there. So it's a lot of that early on. It's just organizing from all fours, organizing in, you know, kneeling positions, learning how to transfer, organize load, transfer your body weight in very controlled, small settings. We use isometrics. Then we pulse the movement at a very small range. And then we work through the full range in a flow. And so we do that sort of, you know, hold, chip at it a little bit. Okay, carve the full movement. We do that with each exercise, starting from all fours, working our way to a single leg, and always honoring those global laws that we that were cited at the beginning by Gilly, right? So we're always making sure that that stuff is present inside the exercise. And when we do it that way, it gives your nervous system, it gives your muscles, it gives everything down into the bone a chance to be spoon-fed as we would say, because we all have a habit of we jump right in and we kind of shock the nervous system. And if we shock the nervous system, you know, if we've got, you know, some, some, some injuries and some, some Mm -hmm. unkept corners of our body that are maybe a little more fragile than others. And we jump right in, we can aggravate something. And and we've seen that happen. So we want to sort of spoon feed early on. What you realize is if you start from all fours, all fours, if you start with these regressed settings, and you do it the right way and you feed the nervous system a little bit at, at first, you're able to progress even faster. And then it kind of gets hyperbolic where you get really fast, really good at it near the end and you start a little bit slower. Got it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so just from my own personal experience, what I've noticed is that I had a lot of anterior chain, so front of the body tension. And I know one of the big laws is to have back chain dominant, which means basically you're, you're, you're driven and you're supported by your posterior muscles. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think, you know, in this recode, you're essentially trying to fight against a lifetime of WOTA, right? You're trying to fight against yeah. like a, a lifetime of neurological patterning that has been engraved so deep in your neuromuscular system and into your brain that, like you're saying, it takes you have to, you can't just shock the system. You have to commit to it pretty regularly and then give it a small dose every day. And then over time, what I felt was that I could really feel when I was moving efficiently, I could really Mm. feel like, okay, the pressure is now when I take a step or if I do a, uh, some kind of single leg squat or something like that, I can feel the energy is transferring like super efficiently. It feels like it's where it's supposed to be in the body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but that's just kind of what I've noticed personally with with doing Goda. Yeah, there's got to be a moment of, of slowing down. You know, it's like a, it's it's a and we know this, though. I mean, you're you're a jujitsu practitioner. You're, if, if you're listening and, and you know that one move that when you were a white belt, it was so elusive. You couldn't do that move and you wouldn't have done that move the first time you tried but you practice it and you repped it and you broke it down into smaller pieces. And then eventually, man, you snap your fingers and you got that move like it's nothing. And so the same idea for the bows and the corners, if you will, or these behaviors of human movement, we look at them as skills and we sharpen those skills the same way that we would build a bicep muscle or the same way that we would learn a new jujitsu move, right? We didn't learn that new jujitsu move in one take and we didn't get a bigger bicep off of one curl. It was steady doses. It was reps. It was understanding all the nuances that are there. And 
and appreciating all those details and then moving along as my body kind of, you know, opened up gates or allowed me access to those areas. And, and like I hinted at before with the exercise, when you start with an ISO, because I think a lot of us, you know, there's this new thought of like, I need the, if I'm not doing the full range of movement, I'm not getting any work. You know, I need, I need to get hit the whole range or I didn't do anything. Right. We see it differently. We see it as a habit being broken more so than anything. Like mm-hmm. the more than like, you know, exercise science, we see this as like changing, you know, the habit of biting your nails. And so I'm replacing it with something new. I'm literally like walking up to my nervous system and saying, Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. And we're starting from the beginning with the whole thing. So we have to do an isometric to start. And then from there, we can only take a little sip of the movement, a small break in the movement, right? A small sort of, you know, pulse of the full range. Eventually, then we work the full range. When you're doing that and you're going slow like that, and you're taking that martial arts type approach, you just listen to all the great martial artists and and, and the great different disciplines that have come through over the years, there is this overarching idea of like, if I can do it slow, I can do it fast. Yes. If I can control it first, then I can speed it up. We're, we're mm. treating it. We treat Gota much like we would treat Tai Chi or Shaolin monk type of practices or a yoga type practice. It's something to be perfected. So it, it may seem like a lot on the front end and there's a bit of an, is an install because you're, as we used to say, you're getting a red pill. So there's right. this like, whoa, I can't, there's just so much information coming at me. But as you go through that tunnel, it, it's only, it's, it's very concentrated information towards a light at the end of the tunnel. And you just see it as getting simpler. That was something I always loved about Gota compared to other systems is the beginning of a lot of other systems feel great. And it's sexy and it sounds good. And the deeper that I went into that tunnel, there was no light. There was no truth to it. It was just mm. scattered eventually where once you get through Gota, it just keeps going around a corner. And like that toroidal type analogy of going out, it just keeps tightening and tightening. And you're going around the same concepts over and over again, but you're refining them. So if you look at it less as exercise has been pushed on us lately in the last two decades, I would say where it's muscle confusion and just as much shit as you can throw into your system, the more variety, the better rounded you probably are is what it said. And I'm saying it as no, man, you want to get that, that skill set, that base layer, layer the shit out of that, get it really good at just being a base level mover. Then whatever else it is that you love will be up leveled. And so, you know, that's why, and then breaking that even further down into like, you're saying, man, I can feel these movements now. That's only because you started slow. You went with an isometric, then you pulsed it. Now you're able to flow, but you have the, a new proprioception, a new kinesthetic awareness, which is what we aim for. Um, we aim, we aim for each person in the system to feel that way. We want you to leave with a feeling of control, a feeling of rhythm. And then with those feelings, you feel more athletic, you feel stronger, you feel faster. Like all those things are just, you know, adjectives of what would be someone who is durable, who is in control of themselves. Yeah. I've also noticed that it also freed up some compression that I had Mm -hmm. like in my back there's it's 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 interesting you're laying down new movement patterns but you're also freeing up like some restricted stuff that that I had going on especially in like my lower back and like my sides obliques is there what other type of changes physiological or 
you know, anything else uh, I like to call it like a, what the hell effect, like you start doing, go to, what are some of the things that you can, you'll, you'll experience from, from just doing it. Yeah. And that goes to what you had brought up before about, you know, being anterior driven now being more posterior driven. One of the big things that people cite is like my, they have a new found appreciation for their lower back muscles. Mm. You know, this is an area where it's like, I think it feels like five, 10 years ago, they started to like, you shouldn't feel your lower back. You know, it should almost be numb. Like there should be no feeling there. Whereas at GoTo, when we do the exercise, right, your lower back is burning. You know, mm. we talk about these, those two, the erector muscles that run up the spine. We want to blow those, those, those up because the backside outside tissue is more resilient. You know, the fascia thickens on the backside and the outside two hot spots i would say are the thoracolumbar fascia which is basically the the center of your lower back encapsulating just all the lumbar and then radiating down into the sacrum and then branching out to sort of almost like you know ride the outside like a stripe on the pants ride the outside of the leg which is what they call the it band it's not, they're not actually a single band. It just thickens. So you could say areas of the body thicken up as far as fascial design in fascial sewing goes. We would say that, yeah, look at where it's thickening. It's all thickening and getting stronger and dense on the backside outside. So people feel this in their recode, their lower back feels different. They, most people present this word to us. Like my back feels a little bit straighter or more lengthened out, or even arched, because everybody's usually, usually, this is usually coming from a compressed, you know, anterior driven state where everything feels like a lengthening to them, everything. Mm -hmm. And then there's people that are kind of stuck in a curve this way. And then we get them more to straight. And that feels like relief for them. But overall, like you said, there's just, there's a torso, the torso might've been like this twisted and compact, but it was really supposed to be like this. Mm-hmm. When the torso was like this at original alignment, it moved in a nice harmonic type of rhythm. Whereas it got twisted and mangled like this. So now when it moves, it's kind of stuck. It's got a little bit of movement, but there's a lot of crazy glue in the gearbox. And so it's moving a little bit, but not as, as much as it should go to essentially realigns and then washes out all that crazy glue. So now you reawaken, you know, you take the bones back to their original alignment and you strengthen there. Then they're like, oh, okay, I'll set my bones there now. And then I'll move from there. So you have a lot that goes on at the lower portion of the system and the foot because you're doing a lot of resetting. People will report back to my, and anybody that follows our program is going to be like, my foot's cramping, my foot's cramping, because I know how jujitsu feet get, because we've worked with a lot of jujitsu practitioners, the feet start to get flat, they start to get crooked, they start to get heavy in the heel, picture that half dome arch structure just dissipating and almost crumbling and collapsing. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take that structure and we're going to pop the tent back up. We're going to put the poles back underneath the tent. We're going to give you support. We're going to anchor down through the right areas. Well, as we're driving up support through the middle of your foot, those muscles will start to cramp. But what you'll find is a newfound appreciation for your foot compartment. You'll create space at your foot compartment. Your ankles will feel different. They'll feel more mobile. You'll Your heels will feel lighter. Your outsides of your feet, the ball of your foot will feel stronger. The outer portion of your calf will start to dial in. So you'll feel like the shield on the outside edge of your shin compartment. And that'll lead into the outer edge of your thigh, deep into the glute in the lower back. It feels like this hammock or this type of like springy suit 
that you can sit into. A good way that I try to explain this to people or to get them to feel it like right away is just bounce up and down on your feet. So when you're bouncing up and down on your feet, you should naturally be noticing that you're, you're, you're more inclined to be where in the foot, the ball of the foot, the front of the foot. So there's a definite elasticity that is achieved through somewhere near the front of the foot. To prove that, try to bounce through the heel of the foot. Try to bounce up and down through your heels. You're going to immediately realize that that is not a good strategy mm-hmm. for elasticity. So we're saying that, yes, follow that logic, that you want elasticity, you want suppleness, you want some sort of give that you can load up and then spring back and harness. Well, that is accessible through the ball of the foot and through the ball of the foot only. And it's accessible because of a very specific design in a very specific way that the Achilles is sewn in the way that it's sewn is on a spiral inward. So when I spiral it outward, the backside outside feels like it's holding a lot of pressure. It feels like it's holding a lot of force. Like the bones are almost sitting against this fascia and they're like a WWF wrestler, like the rock bouncing off the ropes for the people's elbow. It's like he lays into it and then boom, there's a snapback release. And, and that's the explosion that you have in your movement, but it's accessed through the ball of the foot. So you're going to feel the ball of your feet in a completely new way. You're going to realize that, Hey, my ankles are meant to turn and mm-hmm. that they're meant to turn in with my hips. So all that hip mobility work that I know everybody who's listening is trying, you never thought to do the hip with the ankle. So if you're doing the hip, the thigh, you got to close the chain, meaning you got to anchor the foot down and move the shin and the thigh on the same page because the reason your knees are hurting you right now is because your shin's going one way and your thigh's going the other. Mm. We're going to build up your foot. We're going to strengthen it. We're going to get it stable. And then we're going to make sure your thigh and your shin are on the same page. Well, now everything in between is healthy. The foot and the Achilles are happy because they're getting loaded properly. When the heel is moving and the shin is moving, your Achilles is like, stop. You're playing tug of war with it. You're moving it in two opposite directions. When your heel stands still and then your shin moves, your Achilles says, thank you. Your foot says, thank you. Your ankle says, thank you. When your foot is still and your shin and your thigh are moving together, your knee says, thank you. So all of that will equal more strength and awareness at your foot level, the backside, outsides, not limited to the lower back, and then even working up into the neck, the head, the shoulders down into your wrist. It's a full body system. You know, it's a full system from how it's integrated to work. And so we make sure ours is encapsulating all that. So you should feel changes overall, but the hot spots would be the, the feet and the backside outside all the way up into your lower back. Right on. Sounds, uh, sounds phenomenal. Um, like I said, I'm having a lot of benefit from it, but, um, for for anyone out there who wants to get into it, it sounds. I know from my experience, you really have to commit. I mean, you have to you have to commit to the recode. You have to commit to daily, pretty much practice of of uh, of the patterns and understanding it. But mm-hmm. can can you do this while doing traditional strength and conditioning work? Or you know, what what are your guys' thoughts on programming? So I would say first off, this is achieved simply by 20 minutes a day. If, if you can, con- if you can concentrate 20 minutes for me, if you can, we always ask this to our clients and people that are interested. Can you give me 20 minutes a day? Can you give me 10? Can you give me something like, what are you willing to give up from a time standpoint to put this work back in? Because it's not work, especially early on that needs to be 
in a gym that needs to be in a specific setting where you've warmed up and you're sweaty and you need your pre-workout. This is stuff that you can get on the fly. A lot of what we do is push, you know, back on, um, your day to day, your lifestyle, how you're walking, how you're standing. So if you're aware of how you're walking and how you're standing, you're encapsulating stuff that you're already having to do. And now you're doing those things with a little bit more awareness. So we try to educate on those two basics. And then we ask you, can you give me 10 to 20 minutes a day of groundwork that you could do in the morning or that you could do at night? And I would say, look, if you're, if you're somebody who has something else that you're working on, we're not even saying abandon that because that, that to me, that's a whole nother discussion. And I don't want to stop somebody from leveling up because they feel like, well, this will, this won't work with this. It's like the reality is there's good inputs and there's bad inputs to every single day. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting in a chair right now talking to you. This mm-hmm. could very easily be deadlifts or pull-ups. We're all getting something that's going to be negative. No matter who we are, we all got to get in the car at some point. We all got to sit back in a chair. So there's always going to be a little something that's pushing back at you. You can ask further questions about, well, what really are my goals? And then I think you can get further into, should I be doing this type of exercise? Shouldn't I be doing this type of exercise? What we're saying is, regardless of where you are in any of that, you you have to agree that at the very base level, you're a human and you're Mm -hmm. built to operate on a certain way. You know that you walk. You know that you rest. Well, we're saying there's a very certain way that you're supposed to walk. There's a very certain way you're supposed to rest. That stuff points back to Gota. Let's just look at this as the oil change, as the topping off your fluid. Just look at it as this will get me back to, F. if anything, back to neutral, back to basic. If you just had that, I think most people would take a crack at it because I feel that most people – are dealing with some sort of lingering. I know you're dealing with some sort of, let me rephrase that. I know you have some sort of lingering injury that you have right now as you listen to this. Goda's looking to clear up the noise that you're hearing from that injury right now. And if we can dissipate that pain signal, that means that what took its place was performance. And then I bet that that performance increase will then work and branch its way out to whatever it is that you are doing in your life. I just got off the phone with a CrossFitter today, which our training and CrossFitting couldn't be further from each other. And the CrossFitter is telling us how this workout is allowing them to be at more CrossFit and to get better at their CrossFit. Even though if you were to look at them on paper, you would say these don't go together. Well, our bodies and our sedentary, sedentary phone lifestyle processed food don't go together, but we're managing. (laughs) <laughs> so go to the same way, you know, start with 10 minutes, work it up to 20. Think about how you stand. Think about how you walk. The simplest cues I give for those are feet close, feet straight, eggshell heels. Start to get more into the ball of your foot throughout the day. Start to keep your feet a little bit closer. Start to make sure that space between your big toe and your second toe are pointing straight. Do those things in your walking and your standing. Do a little bit of ground rest throughout the day, crisscross applesauce, sitting on your shins with your heels out and your toes in. That simple stuff goes a long way and it's going to level up your overall feeling throughout the day. And then whatever skill, whatever thing that you love to do, that's going to get leveled up as well. Amazing. You basically answered my my next question um, just, just with, I mean, everything we've been talking about, but I was wondering why would a jujitsu athlete want to invest time in mm-hmm. Dakota? For me, just 
from my experience, what I've noticed with jujitsu is that it's very WOTA. It's very front chain dominant. Um, it's, it basically is the complete opposite of what Gota is. And you also in jujitsu, you don't have a lot of foot pressures because a lot of times you're on your knees or you're on your back, yeah. you're playing from guard. So I think that actually wrecks havoc on the body because you're not getting that proprioceptive input into your feet to make that connection. Like, look, this is where the energy should transfer. So tell us why, why would the jujitsu athlete benefit from, from Gota? Yeah, I think the, the, the first one is, like I said, I'm, I'm taking the crack at, you know, I'm guessing here, but I assume that if you're listening right now, you know, you've got some sort of injury from jujitsu <laughs> and I know you do. And I, and I know it's probably <laughs> somewhere around that knee or that lower back. Yes. So you've got an injury. That's your first reason to honestly jump into Goda is because what we're saying is the reason you've been injured isn't just because somebody got you in a funky leg, you know, lock or something like that. It's also got to do with how you're walking throughout your day, how you're resting, how your foot is interacting with your shin. Goda is going to rehabilitate the way that your foot and your shin interact so that it takes pressure out of the knees. So the knees aren't as susceptible to those leg locks in some degrees. And they're not as susceptible to breaking down as you're walking between your trips to and from the mat, right? So there's all these other times of the day that you have to kind of stay healthy as well, not just on the mat. And Gota is centered around getting you back to your base blueprint. But it's also like you had kind of pointed out, it's counteracting a lot of what jujitsu might be putting into your system that is negative. So to paint a picture for you and to go into to movement theory a little bit here, um, which I'll probably go off on a tangent, but you mentioned being on your back and the foot, you know, being splayed and working from there. If you just imagine that when you're on your back and if you were to do a hollow hold, like just kind of six inches and hold your system in that position for as long as you could, and then you stood up, what side of the body would feel super activated? The front side and the inside would feel stronger. Yeah. Like it had just gotten worked out. Okay. Now flip over to your stomach and then do like a Superman and hold that for as long as you can. So if you just picture the body being on either the stomach or on the back and holding for an allotted amount of time, as max time as I can, and then noticing which side of the body would be cooked. Well, when you're on the back and you're cooking the body, you're cooking the front side inside. When you're on your stomach and you're working the backside outside, you're cooking the backside outside. When your default is backside outside tension and you hold and you lengthen from there, you create space for the system to operate the way it should. Mm -hmm. When you're overactive with the front side and the inside, not just in that one move of being on your back to play guard, but now you take it to your walk and now yeah. you take it to your standing and now you take it to everything else that leads it compounds and it, it compresses your torso. Mm -hmm. It compresses your shoulders. It compresses your lower limbs. A compressed lower limb is going to lead to something could be a hip, could be a pelvis issue, could leak down into the knees or the foot and the ankle. It could travel up into your lower back. It's one integrated system. If it gets short somewhere, it's going to affect everything else. So jujitsu is already giving you a lot of this on your back. And jujitsu took what was a susceptible position. You were to, supposed to be losing the fight right. when you were on your back. It was supposed to be over. Jujitsu said, not so fast. Let me break your arm and <laughs> snap you into this move or roll around. So you created an art. You created a defense out of the most susceptible position. And this is why it's like the go-to 
really martial arts to learn because mm-hmm. you're now you're never out of it. Whereas every other system was like, you had, Oh shit moments. Yes. Like you want, well, yeah, you're a great stand up striker, but you got brought to the ground. What do you do now? Mm-hmm. You're in trouble, right? It's like, you'd rather be a wrestler or a jujitsu fighter. If you get into a lot of this stuff, unless you're an expert marksman and you're a striker by trade and you can stand up and throw with the best of them. So this on the back being on the ground, it's the opposite of forward movement. Picture you're on your back, you're on your ground. I blow a whistle and there's a lion chasing you. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You roll over to your stomach, you shoot your tailbone back, you get the crown of your head forward, you dig in your ball or the foot, and you drive forward through space. Yes. And your tail is back, your crown is forward, you're pitching tilting the whole system forward through space, and your heel is elevated just like that lion's heel. heel would be elevated behind behind you. So you're literally doing the opposite of what is jujitsu, which is I've gotten knocked down, I'm on my back, I'm in the most like susceptible position I could possibly be in. This is where the big cat wants to get the animal to its back, open up its stomach, and then it can kill it. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing that kind of happens in jujitsu is you're in a life or death scenario, albeit it's controlled, you're not going to actually get killed by the guy in the in the gym, but you're in a situation where you'll do whatever you can to not get hurt. Right. So you'll do things that may be woda because it's a life or death scenario. But the reality is the body operates 99% of the day, not in that, that setting. Yeah. It's going to be in a forward moving setting, moving and affecting change. So if you're getting a lot of those negative inputs as they could be looked at when they get carried out into other events, go to, doesn't let you compound the negative. So I've had this talk with some jujitsu athletes is like, look at this as a rinse away. So mm-hmm. anything that's been bothering you from, from, you know, from jujitsu or that's been nagging this, make sure you don't compound because it's the compounding of that bad pattern that leads to like three months. It's kind of bad. And then five months, it's really getting bad and it's starting to bark at you and you know, an injury is coming, but you don't know what to do and you keep going. And then the seventh month, you tear your knee, but you knew at month three, something was up. Like you knew at month three, something was up with your knee, but you just kept compounding that same thing. Goda is going to stop you at month three of a nagging knee. And it's going to keep doing this and washing you back. You may not ever be like fully rehabilitated necessarily, but you won't ever get to month seven of a compounding bad behavior that made you have to take an additional six months off of jujitsu. So now you get that whole time to work jujitsu just because you did some simple child rockers on the front end. That's why it's important to do Gota from a jujitsu perspective. I told you I'd, I'd go on a slight tangent with it, but no, that was dude, whenever I try to lay down, whenever I try to lay down the on your back versus forward, I'm like, it kind of gets long winded by no. just by default. That, that was very well said. And you're absolutely spot on. I mean, all of my major injuries that I've had, they were they were sudden injuries, most of them, the major ones. But it was also like the clues were there, like the clues, the, man. The, the thing it, it it got to the breaking point, and all it took was a quick movement, and then that sudden movement is what did it in. So one hundred percent. Let's um let's take it in another direction because I feel like Goda can be, and it's actually really designed for athletes and it helps Mm -hmm. a lot of people in athletic performance, football players, soccer, anyone who's on two feet running basketball for sure. Obviously jujitsu has benefit. How about someone who is a little bit older in their forties, fifties, who, you know, is just looking for longevity. How would it benefit them? 
Yeah, like like we hinted at earlier, the there are these non-negotiables that are going on in our day-to-day. How we walk, how we stand, how we're sitting at a chair, and then ultimately where we were meant to sit was on the ground. So there's movement and there's rest because movement and rest are flip sides of the same coin. They imply each other. And those things are going on throughout our day, whether we like them or not. Mm-hmm. And there are things that, that we have to tend to. And if we don't tend to those things, like how we're walking, how we're standing, how we're sitting, there's going to be collateral damage. This is why somebody can not be an athlete, just work a nine to five, and they get to age 40 or 50 or 60, and the knee needs to be replaced. They never yeah. put any dynamic movement but it was still death by a thousand cuts. It's still string cheese getting pulled at because of how they're walking about their day to day. So if you're that person that, like I said, they want the lowest, you know, threshold, they they don't want to work out. They're not seeing themselves as someone that goes in in, and gets it in at a gym. They want the, the minimal amount. We've helped those people simply by, like I said, how you're standing and how you're walking feet close, feet straight, eggshell heels has helped and benefited tons of people that are just in a nine to five and did, they just don't want pain in their lower back or their knee as they're trying to work on a project at a desk or they're trying to answer emails or wh- whatever it may be. If you've got a pain signal, it's going to decrease your performance. That could be jujitsu, but it could also be working at a desk, working at a nine to five. So now that person has it the easiest. You might need five, five to 10 minutes a day. Yeah. go to work, you know, just returning back to all fours, bringing your toes together, bringing your heels away, getting back to this child rocker position, child's pose position, and just hitting that button every single day, doing a little bit of toe tuck, sitting in a low bolt squat, standing a little bit better, walking with a little bit more attention. These are things that if, if I told you that, Hey, you just need five, additional minutes or can you free up five to 10 minutes a day for me to focus on these things? What's also cool about GOATA is the system doesn't change. The the global laws don't change. So your investment at that early point, those five minutes of investment there, they compound. That 10 minutes compounds because the next 10 to five minutes you do, you build on it. And then the Mm. next 10 to five minutes, and you're only refining the same concepts over and over again. So it's not like you're going to be sitting there two weeks, three weeks in and being like, man, this is getting complex. I got to add. No, it only gets simpler. So Mm. the little bit of effort that you put in on the front end pays itself on the back end because you're able to make these adjustments on the fly. It's something as simple as when you're sitting at your desk and you notice that, hey, I'm sitting here. I'm leaned back, my tailbone's super far, super in the front. I'm, I'm in my heels, I'm crooked foot. Let me move my sit bones to the back of the chair. Let me move my crown a little bit further forward. Let me bring my thigh bones together. Let me get to the ball. Let me do something to kind of go against what was bad. You're in a long car ride commuting to work and you get out. Now you have something to go to when you're standing at the gas pump. Now you're at, you know, at home and you're, and you're at a desk, you're standing or you're working. You used to put your hips against the counter because you would always do that naturally. But now, you know, not to, because you went through the go to education. Now you stand. So these little things that you're already doing, you're going to do them just slightly different. And it may take a little bit of awareness on the front end, but it will become subconscious like it already is on the back end. And that little change there is how we fix like our gen pop office Mm. type people um, because we attack that other 90%. And then as far as like their, you know, what they're doing, it can be as simple as five to 10 minutes of a basic groundwork routine. They don't have to do anything too, too strenuous anyways. 
Yeah. And like we mentioned before, this is this is a movement system for human beings. So right. if, if you're it doesn't matter if you're, you're an a athlete, human, if you're right. a human, this is it's it's a way to move like a goat. It's a way to move efficiently in the best possible way. So it just makes sense. And if you think of the cliche old person who's hunched over a cane, they're completely mm-hmm. front chain dominant. They've lost all of the right. They're completely compressed. They've lost the completely extension. compressed. They've lost the back chain now. So yes. this seems like it would be a great tool to at least prevent that or elongate the amount of time you have in an upright position as a human being. I mean, yeah, it's a great image to have. Like, I think anybody can picture a young child moving, even when they just go into their first, you know, steps and they're just learning to walk. You see this like very, you know, lengthened out torso and very much, it looks very different. Babies and indigenous movement looks different than the 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, even now trickling down into our grade school and our high school. It looks very, very different. Babies and indigenous have this much more straight feet, close, narrow columns, long, elongated spine, chin tucked position. And then you picture that person walking with a cane that's super hunched over. Mm. That's that's what we're trying to get at is that there is this youthful decompressed state where there's length and there's space. Mm. And then there's this this the opposite of that. There is a compressed state where it's shortened and it's compact and it doesn't move. And, and there's a spectrum there. And, and Goda's goal is to identify where you are on the spectrum currently, but also open your eyes and show you a path to go to the right end of the spectrum. Yeah. So now you get this, you get a big picture at Goda. You get, what is the spectrum? What's Woda? What's Goda? Where am I at on that spectrum? And then how do I start going towards the Goda end? And what should I do to stay away from the Woda end? Yeah. So all of that information is kind of being put at your feet at the beginning. But you, but the cool thing with Goda is the whole picture is there. We're yeah. not bringing anything else into an into equation on you. are not going to, we're not going to, you know, slip you a trick question two weeks in. It's like, no, it's all here. This is all of it. Just keep combing through it. And it only gets clearer and only becomes more precise as you, sh- as you sit there. Cause the one, the beginning is the veil. It gets lifted. Yeah. It's just like a, Whoa, dude, this that's why we used to call it the red pill. Cause mm. it was like when Neo gets the full, like he doesn't get let into it lightly. It's like you walk in and it's like, Oh, this is it. And it's then you got to go through, you know, rehabilitating how you're looking at movement and how you're framing and what your goals are and all that. But Man, the initial information, the veil gets taken off and it's it's a lot at once. Yeah. So on that note, tell us about the Strong and Fit product that you guys created. It should be available any day now. Um, what's what's that about? Yeah. So we, we put together a system, like we said, that is going to start you from, I don't care who you are, um, you know, whether you're a grandma or you're the best jujitsu athlete in the world, this is a, a, project that everybody can benefit from because it's going to go and it's going to hit reset and it's going to clean up those, as we would say, non-negotiable patterns that we would have been getting into. And we are kind of still to some degree getting into these in our day-to-day. We probably don't even realize them. One would be all fours, right? Being able to get back down to the ground to where you're on the top sides of your feet, your toes are in, your heels are away. You're able to sit down there on your shins. You probably can picture this in jujitsu. A lot of you guys are probably hanging out in this position. 
in between sessions or whatever, but it's mm-hmm. sitting on the shins, toes and heels away, rehabilitating the, the, the way that that position should look, rehabilitating the toe tuck position, how that should look, bringing you know, more length and space into the foot compartment, and then getting you to start to build strength in the way that you load pressure by pushing back from the toe tuck position into a low sort of heels up squat that we call the bolt squat. So we're going to take you through what we would consider the three positions to master, seiza or child rockers, toe tuck or samurai position as it's sometimes called, and then the bolt, like the little Spider-Man squat position. So this intro that we've built is really centered around, okay, what is Goda? What are we starting with? And then what are we working towards? So we're getting you right into that point where we're about to stand up and get into some of our double leg work or single leg work in the system. We've just gone through that first portion that really starts to, as we would say, decompress. So a lot of you that have lower back tightness, knee tightness, any sort of tight cramped spots that you can't get a, you can't quite put a finger on, you can't figure out how to decompress them and and get the pain out of there. This system's for you. But then it's also for those people that are like, man, I I feel weak in certain areas. I I want strength back in this lower portion of the body. I want strong ankles. I want supple ankles and feet. This program is also going to take you to that point, but nobody should feel overwhelmed because it definitely starts you in all fours and it works you up to that bolt position. And and it's got a lot of good stuff in between and it stacks. So it starts with just a couple exercises. Then we bring a few more in and then we bring the whole package in together. And so you kind of get, acclimated. You don't get a ton thrown at you at the beginning. You get to kind of work yourself through. Like I talked about earlier, it's a spoon fed six pivot points, meaning all fours to start to, you know, remove pivot points as we go. And, um, you should feel relief right away, which is exciting. And -hmm. then you'll feel stronger and more supple as you build through this, this program. Awesome. Sounds, sounds like a great, great intro to the system. Super excited for that to come out. Um, coach, where can people go to learn more? Where can they find you? Yeah. So the first spot you want to go is to go to movement.com. So go on, go to movement.com. Um, we've got some, some free stuff that you guys can opt in for there. Um, we've got several products that we offer. We offer a movement assessment. So if you want to kind of see how your movement stacks up, um, you'll get assessed by me. We basically bring you in, um, or, you know, we do everything through online, obviously, and, and we can voice over a video. We jump on a zoom call. We talk through a plan. We get you started on Goda, um, with some guidance. We also offer a coaching certification. So if you're somebody that wants to learn more about this, this exercise, you know, program, this, this assessment program, how it looks, how it plays out, we offer that. And then we have a, a, um, a recode program, a one size fits all recode program that's subscription based. Um, it's got a, uh, recode program at the heart of it, which it takes you from all fours to a single leg. So what we're, what's going to be up, um, on your guys' site is kind of a, a smaller portion of what's finished on recode two, two, five, our recode program. And then along with that, we have a weekly workout. We have education, we have correctives, all of that stuff sits on go to movement.com. So if you want to go poke around and see what we got and take a look at it, um, if you want to contact us, you can go through there as well. And then on Instagram, um, my handle is at GLS Goda underscore education. So if you go to at GLS Goda underscore education, you'll find me. My business partner, Gary Scheffler, is at GLS Goda 
underscore training. So those are our two spots to find us on Instagram. We also have at go to movement. Um, but if you just go to go to movement.com, that's a great place to start. Awesome. Well, coach, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this today and also everything that you do. I know there's a lot of, uh, standards that people like to adhere to in the fitness industry. And I think what you guys are doing is absolutely phenomenal and it's, it's helped me already. I've only done it for a couple of months. So again, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I, like I said earlier, I appreciate you having us on. Um, this is the easiest way to kind of understand GOTA. And like you said, it's, it's going against a lot of the standards. So we appreciate, you know, you having me on, um, to kind of dissect this stuff and in, in deep dive what it is. And, and like I said, if people like this concept and they want to learn more about it, if you go to the you know Instagram page and you look at the highlights, there's a whole bunch of other podcasts that you can dive into and, and, and get, get some more information. Um, but like I said, it's one of those things you peel back that layer. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right on. Perfect. Well, coach, thank you again. And uh, let's talk soon. Yes. Thanks for having me, bro. All right. Thank you, Coach Ricky. And thank you all for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Gota, visit their website at gotamovement.com and follow Coach Ricky on Instagram at glsgota underscore education. You can also get his intro program at strongandfit.com. And as always, you can find us at seekprogress.com. Thank you again for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode.